Welcome to the podcast channel of the East Bay Unity Intergroup of Overeaters Anonymous. The opinions expressed here are those of individual members and do not represent OA as a whole. For more information about our intergroup, please visit our website at eastbayoa.org. Hi, everybody. My name is Russ. I am a compulsive overeater. Um, my journey with OA began um, about 11 years ago. Um, I went into the hospital with a strep A infection in my left leg. Um, I My kidney shut down, my liver shut down. And I had a stress-related heart attack. Um, I was in a coma. I uh, didn't know I was about 425 pounds at that point. Um, I survived. Um, we'll get to that in a little bit. My doctor said, hey, you might want to go to OA. So I'd gone to OA, um, walked in. It was a little little church setting. There were several cute little old ladies that, you know, it was like a dinner club. There wasn't really much OA stuff. I didn't even know OA was a 12-step program. They they didn't talk about, I mean, it was just very, it was a very awkward situation being the only guy there. Um, you know, they were talking about who had a husband, who didn't have a husband. I was, I was just like, okay, this isn't for me. And I left and, you know, had no intention of ever coming back. Um, so I want to talk about my, we're going to leave that for a second. I'm going to go backwards and we're going to talk about how I got to that point. Um, and, and, you know, today's topic is one day at a time. And my disease started when I was 11. Um, I suffered a couple of traumas um, and I started eating to numb. Um, we all know the story that, you know, we don't like feeling, so we eat. Um, I did that pretty effectively. Um, I did it to the point where every year I went up 10 pounds, 10 pounds, 10 pounds, 10 pounds, 10 pounds, just, and if you do the math from, you know, from 11 to 40, when I went to the hospital, it was about 400, 450 pounds. I played football in college. So I hit a lot of the, a lot of the weight was, you know, Hey, he's a tackle. He's in the middle of, you know, they can't run the football. So we're going to put Russ out there, get bigger, Russ, get bigger, you know? And because of my physical abilities, my eating wasn't an issue for me at the time because I could outwork it. I could outwork it. I was one step ahead of it. I would binge for a weekend and then I would work like crazy through the week to be able to play football. You know, it was my love. And, and I was encouraged to be bigger and faster and better and bigger and bigger and bigger. And so I would eat and it just never, you know, it, it never affected me. Um, Physically, I could do everything I wanted to do. Uh, you know, the six months before at 400 pounds, six months before I went into the hospital, I was at an amusement park riding roller coasters. I could do everything that everybody wanted to do. 
my blood chemistry has always been perfect. My doctors get mad because, you know, like, wow, Russ, your cholesterol is lower than mine. You know, that's ridiculous. Okay. Doctors would come in and take blood and they'd be like, oh, do you have diabetes? No. You know, and they're just like, oh, well, are you sure? We need to check. And they'd get mad. Um, so I never had any of those, you know, I, I, I don't want to say I wish I did. Maybe it would have woke me up sooner, but that's neither here nor there. Um, so all the way through my life, I would go up 10 pounds and it just kept going. And, and I was such a private eater that no one ever saw me binge. So every year, you know, Russ was a little bit heavier, a little bit heavier. I'm going to put up, I'm going to put up a picture that is me in November of 2019. Um, uh, nine years after I went into the hospital because dying in the hospital is something that you would think would be enough to keep you from compulsively overeating. At least that's what I thought. You know, I thought that, okay, yeah, dying is enough, you know, that, that should be enough. And this is the guy on the left is uh, 676 pounds. Um, can't walk very well. Um, you can tell by his eyes, he's, he's alive, but there's not much life left in him. Um, today I weigh 444 pounds. Um, I'm still a long way from my goal weight, but I've been, um, I've been abstinent since November 30th of 2019. Um, lost well over 200 pounds. Um, you know, I am one of the ones that, you know, in the doctor's opinion, it talks about locking drunks or alcoholics into a facility to get dry. That was me. I needed that. I needed that interruption long enough for my head to clear so that when OA came calling again, I could hear it. Because it didn't matter. You tell me to give up, you know, whatever. First thing I'm doing when I leave here is I'm going to go get it and I'm going to eat it because you don't get to tell me what to do because, you know, nobody gets to tell me what to do. I spent my whole life from the time of my traumas making sure that, you know, nothing had power over me. Nothing. So nothing did, you know, nothing had power. I was killing myself with food. But, you know, I wasn't powerless over food. I can do it. I Every year I would start with a diet, you know. Okay, Monday is the day that I put the food down. I stopped binging. I'm going to, you know, whatever. And then it was like, okay, Monday would come. Monday afternoon, it would be like, okay, next Monday. Next Monday is the goal. And then it was like, okay, we're going to start in, you know, it's January. We're going to start in February because this month's already gone. And then it was like, okay, my birthday's coming in April. We're going to do April. It was never enough. It was never, there was never enough. But I always thought my problem was the food. I was fighting the food. Like, you know, you put something up there that, that was a binge. For me, it was the car. I had privacy in the car. My job, um, I got to drive all over the place and so I would do fast food binges that, you know, 10, 15, 20,000 calories in an hour and a half, two hours. 
and just be so sick that I'd have to drive around because I was so embarrassed that I would drive around for a half hour looking for an open dumpster that I wouldn't even have to get out of the car to throw it away. I could just throw it away, you know, without having to get out of the car. And, and all of this stuff is something that, you know, my life was pretty good in all areas except the food. And so when I would go to work and they would say, Hey, we want to promote you. I'd say, no, I'm good because I didn't feel like I could, I was worthy of taking that next step. You know, I got up to number two, which is my, that was my trend. I would get up to number two, but I didn't feel like I was worthy of moving up into the top spot because I couldn't stop eating. I, if people knew how I ate, they would be horrified, just horrified. And I believe that I believe that I was a monster. I, I remember going to a library when I was, 18 or 19, because I didn't understand the binges. I didn't even know what, you know, binge eating has really come out into the light since that, since I was that age. And I would, you know, I'd heard people talk about eating disorders and it was always anorexia, bulimia, but nothing about men specifically and nothing about men just binging with huge quantities of food. And so I went and looked up this book and I found this book on eating disorders and it mentioned binge eating in passing. And it specifically talked about like, you know, maybe 1500 calories, you know, in this really fast time. And I was like, oh my God, I am so broken. That's not even, you know, it's not even close for me. I do that. I mean, that's, you know, that's a snack. That's not even, it's not even comprehensible to me. Okay, thank you. And so as I went, and it, it just kept getting more progressive and more progressive. Well, in 2010, when I went into the hospital, and I they cut up my leg and did a whole bunch of surgeries, and I got out of the hospital, and my it, that was enough to trip me up. So my one step ahead of my disease that I thought that I was one step ahead of my disease. That was enough to trip me up and the binging started and it didn't stop. So instead of binging every other weekend, it was, it started with like three times a week. Then it went to four times a week. And then the only time I left the house was to go binge. And I put on from the time I left the hospital, I went up to 676 and I just plateaued at 670. I don't think I could like get bigger because I didn't have enough energy to go get more food. Um, I was married at the time. I've got three beautiful daughters. Um, but so at that point, as I was binging in 2018 and 19, I was actively trying to kill myself with food. I was, you know, I, I had the thoughts that I had the confusion, the tornado. I call it a tornado. Um, and some of the artwork I do, I draw it as a tornado chasing me all over the place. Um, and one of those things that I understand now looking back because I'm abstinent and I can see, you know, I have clarity of mind on this is that I was in a cycle of shame and guilt that wasn't even mine. It, it was when I was 11, the stuff that happened to me, that wasn't my responsibility. 
And by the time I got to become an adult where I could think about the food choices that I was making and the coping skills that I was using, it was a habit. And it was just how I ate. And then, you know, when you don't see anybody else eating like that, you're like, okay, we need to hide. We need to keep this hidden. You know, when you get out of football and all of your other friends are, you know, normal size, non-football size, and they eat like they want to, and they eat huge things of food and they don't gain a pound, then I started restricting. And I started, you know, the, the disease just started coming out more and more and more. And so... What I want to get to here is when I came into OA, I came into OA as a friend of mine who went to treatment with me said, you have to come to OA. You have to come to this Better Together meeting. It's not like anything else out there in OA. And I'm like, I'm not going to OA. It's, it's, it's not for me. And he's like, just come, just come. So I went. And I got there and I'm like, wow, these people are fun. These people are exciting. These people are, you know, they, they're working on, they're actively working on stuff. And I, so I, st I stuck around and I went from April to um, December and I made it up to the four step and I stopped because I didn't want the depression to come back. And I thought the four step was going to bring depression back. So I just kind of started doing service and I hid behind the service because if I was doing service, everybody was happy with, me. you know, everybody's happy. Oh, hey, we've got Russ here to do this. So, you know, Russ is going to do this. Russ is going to do that. I didn't know about the principles and I'm going to get to the, the one day at a time thing here. I'm not very good at one day at a time. And that's why I accepted this today because God has me. God has me work on things. I process a little differently and God has me speak about things that I'm not very good at. And then that way I can process it down the road. So when I was ready to leave OA in December, somebody, a speaker came in and talked about the principles and how they live the principles every day. And the person who lives the principles is you know, for me, the steps were cool. You know, they were, yeah, I can see that the person at the end of the 12 steps is a great person. But I couldn't figure out how to get there because the fourth step was everything I'd ever done wrong in my entire life. How do I get past that? How do I get past that crushing guilt and shame? You know, I blew up my family. I, you know, my daughters didn't, my daughters didn't like me because I was, I was a jackass. I was, you know, my thing is I use the rhino as my spirit animal. Anybody that comes better together knows me as the rhino guy. And I, I use that animal because I used to plow through people's lives. It was my way or, yeah, it was just my way. And if you didn't like it, that was too bad. It didn't matter. And so when I heard this speaker talk about the principles I was like, what are these? Why have I not heard of these? Well, because I was keeping my head down because all I wanted was abstinence. All I wanted was abstinence. Well, that's not enough. You know, it's not enough for me. I don't want to be, you know, there's in, in AA, they call it a dry drunk. I call it an, you know, I'm sorry for cussing, but it's an asshole in recovery. I don't want to be that. I want to be, when they put me in the ground, I want it to say, here lies a really good guy. But I didn't know how to get past the four step. 
So I had to start living the principles every day, one day at a time, every one of them, all 12 words, honesty, hope, faith, courage, integrity, willingness, humility, self-discipline, love, perseverance, spiritual awareness, and service. The person who lives those 12 words every day, one day at a time, you don't have room to go through five drive throughs in your life. You don't have room to eat, you know, crazy. You don't have room to have, you don't have room to have the thoughts of sitting in a couch, sitting in a chair and saying, what am I going to try to kill myself today with? I can't. I look at those words and when I'm honest with myself about everything, things changed. Things started to change. I started to open up. Um, I was still, I'm going to fast forward to June of this year, July of this year. I was still on my fourth step. When I was in treatment, I, um, they had this thing that they said, well, Russ, we want you to make these coping cards. And they said, write these positive affirmations down on these little three by fives. And you can put a ring, a little ring binder on it. You can take it with you. And when you get triggered, you can go through these. Well, I am far too cool to ever use something like that anywhere. You know, I'm never going to go through that. I'm never going to use that. I said, so let me do digital coping cards because I've always got my phone with me. I can use, put pictures on there and do that. and I'll do that, but I'll never use the binder. So I found this picture of um, I found this picture of Gates of the Mountain in um, in Montana, and I, that was my that was my first digital coping card. Okay, and it was this picture of Gates of the Mountain, which was described by Lewis and Clark, and it's this beautiful place. And I said, okay, Russ, I made this pact with myself that if I lost a hundred pounds. And, and I was going to go there and see that. And, and so fast forward <clears throat> this July, this past July, I went to Gates of the Mountain. Um, the picture still had the GPS coordinates on it. And I went there and went to the same exact spot and took the picture on the left is the photographer that was my first digital coping guard. The picture on the right is the picture that I got to take in July when I went. I had a spiritual awakening, okay? I've had several in my life. You know, when you die in the hospital and, you know, the doctor comes in and says, hey, Russ, we didn't save you. Um, you're supposed to be dead. Nothing we did, you know, the stuff on your heart says that you're not supposed to be here. Well, what do you do with that? Well, if you're a compulsive overeater, you eat. And that's what I did. I ate, I, you know, okay, if they, if that can't kill me, then nothing can kill me. So I'm going to eat some more. That's what I did. And so when I got to better together and I started to grow and I got, then I got to the four step and I couldn't stop. Then I found the principles and the spiritual awakening that I had in Montana um, a friend of mine was with me and we drove over the mountain and we came down this, came down through this clear cut, this pass in the mountains. And I just started bawling and I had to pull over because 
I, God was with me in the car that day. And that was when I started to realize that I can't use those principles. Kinda. I can't like play with them. I can't, you know, I can't use some of them someday and some of them other day. I have to use every one of them every freaking day, every minute, every hour, every, every breath. And, and I have to set my life up to where, like, for me, I heard a speaker say, you know, live program and visit life. And I thought, well, who wants to do that? You know, that's, I don't, I don't want that. I wanted to go out and enjoy life. 20 minutes. Okay. Once I started living program, I got through the steps. Okay. I finished my 12 step about a month ago. I'm back on step one now. And we're just going to keep on going. Um, and the principles have shown me, have, have changed my, my girls are back to wanting to spend time with me. They actively seek me out now. Okay. That in and of itself would be enough for me. You know, that's like a win. Um, but it's not just that I, I got divorced last year. Um, it was COVID had it tied up. So it was really like two years ago, but legally it was last year. Um, and I, I hated her. I hated myself. I hated God. I, you know, just all that stuff. But, but once I started applying the principles to myself every day, one day at a time, doesn't matter what happened yesterday, doesn't matter what's going to happen tomorrow. This is the day that I have. And these are the words that are going to, this is how I apply. If you come to me with a problem, I immediately start like, okay, where's the honesty in this? Okay, where's the hope? Where's the faith? Where's the courage? Where's the integrity? And I apply that. So when my girls come to me and talk to me about stuff, I start, you know, running through it. How do I need to act? How do I need to use these 12 words to get me through today? Okay, and, and, and how can I show them love, which is number nine? And how can I have integrity in this conversation? And how can I be honest and still show love? Because it's it's weird. You got to stack these things. You can't just like throw one out there and leave the other ones. You got to you got to throw one out there and then stack something else on top of it. And and that's where I started to change. Okay, I, I really started to change internally because as I was doing that, my higher power kept knocking and saying, "Hey, Russ." I want you to work in this area. I want you to work in this area. I want you to talk about this. I want you to, you know, you need to process this in your head. And, and it really, it brought me to, I do a lot of service. I five to six nights a week, I do afterglow, which is our, our version of the parking lot at better together. We meet from 10 PM Eastern to midnight, um, seven days a week. And I do five to six nights a week of, of hosting on that. And the thing that gets me the most is that the principles unlock the steps for me. 
And, you know, God made all that happen. But I didn't know about the promises. I had read page 83 and 84 of, of the big book multiple times. But until I heard the pro- until I read the promises in a bullet point after a speaker had started talking about it, I didn't realize that they had already started to come true. That they had already started showing up in my life. Like, wait, you know, we will we will know how to handle issues that baffled us. I didn't repeat that perfectly, but you know, my ex-wife got COVID. Okay, I was able to take care of her and the girls without resentment, without, you know, all of this anger and, and all of this stuff. That's a situation that used to baffle me. So the principles unlock the steps for me and the steps unlock the promises. It's a, I don't know. It's a big all over the place. It's kind of like recovery. There's, it's not a straight line and that's okay. So. I'm going to go through these real quick. We will know a new freedom and happiness. I'm about as happy as I've ever been in my life. I still weigh 442 pounds, but I am as happy as I have ever been. Just got divorced. It's a global pandemic. I just graduated college. I went back to college, finished my degree. I have thrived in a pandemic. Okay. And that's not me. That's these annoying steps that somebody wrote in the 30s and you know all that kind of stuff and I, I really struggled with that and and you know there's there's somebody here that that is today that's pretty special to me and and she said when are you going to admit that you're an addict and I'm like I, I'm not an addict I'm, I'm not you know that's other people you know well okay yeah I'm an addict the the thing for me is though that it does none of that matters because if i only live today and i don't live yesterday and i don't live 11 years ago and i don't live 30 years ago or 40 years ago whatever if i only live today and i apply the principles to the steps and the information that i learned from the steps I get the promises and the promises wind up in the three words, happy, joyous, and free. Now, do I get to stay in happy, joyous, and free all the time? Absolutely not. I don't get to some, but you know, there's speakers out there that claim that they do. And that's great. I don't get to, I wake up grumpy sometimes, you know, two weeks, month ago, I, I woke up and was cleaning the house and I opened up a, box and there was a box of leftover Halloween candy that one of my girls had left at the house. I panicked. That food's not supposed to be here. What am I going to do? I, you know, I've got two years of abstinence. I, you know, <coughs> excuse me. I immediately, I'm in my boxer shorts, cleaning the house, 630 in the morning. Okay. That's not a picture anybody needs. I understand. I open up the box, I see the candy, I register in my mind that if the candy stays in the house, I'm going to eat it. I'm going to play around with it. I'm going to put it over here. I'm going to put it, whatever. I'm going to look at it. I'm going to think about it. So I recoiled like a hot flame. I opened up the front door. I ran across the deck in my boxers in the snow to the trash can and I threw it away. 
It's pretty amazing. First time I've ever recoiled like a hot flame. And I'm like, damn, there's another thing from the big book that just showed up. Okay. I came back in. I was crying. I was emotional. Where'd that happy, joyous, and free go, Russ? You're still abstinent. Well, I was still a mess. So I got on the 715 meeting. And I got on there and I shared. Okay. the and And that night... So I shared and I got calmed down and then I did my outreach. And then I did, I used the tools and I did everything that you're supposed to do. Okay. And made it through the day, one day at a time, one hour at a time, one phone call at a time, one minute at a time, <laughs> one pale run across the deck in the snow at a time. Okay. For me, I don't do one day at a time very well. I like to plan, I'm strategic, I'm all this bullcrap that doesn't matter. Okay. I I like I know, you know, the next what the next 30 years looks like in my mind. So I constantly struggle with that part of program one day at a time, Russ, one day at a time. I also struggle with spirituality. Um, what does my higher power look like? How do I connect? All that. That day that I shared at the 715. That night, one of the speaker getters for that meeting called me and said, hey, we want you to share tomorrow. It's Spiritual Friday. And I'm like, uh, you're asking me to speak at Spiritual Friday because I'm not very good at the spiritual stuff. And they said, yeah, we want you to talk. I said, okay. So I talked. It went great. I was able to open up about my higher power. I really connected with my higher power. I spent the next couple of weeks you know, really digging into my higher power and really reconnecting with my higher power. So I get called to, to somebody reaches out for me to talk here. And I was looking at the topic and I'm like, one day at a time, I'm like, oh my gosh, it's happening again. One day at a time. I don't do one day at a time, you know? Well, Russ, talk about it. Maybe you'll do one day at a time. So if I can leave you guys with anything, okay? I was 676 pounds. I was actively trying to kill myself with food. And there's a whole bunch of drama that I left out. Okay. A whole bunch of drama. You all know how it goes. I don't have to describe all of that to you. Okay. But here's the thing. Staying here every day, staying in OA every day, one day, just one day, just today, gets you to tomorrow, okay? Doesn't have to be, you know, it, it. like when I got abstinent, I woke up and I went to breakfast, and luckily for me, I haven't, you know, I've been abstinent since then, okay? I don't know that's always going to be the case. I've come to accept that because today is all I have, okay? minutes. Okay. Thank you. Um, so I just want to close with this. If you are struggling and you're out there and you don't know what to do and you're thinking of leaving, stay here. Okay. Stay here. Because if that 676 pound guy can, can get out of the chair and get back to living life, and, and can get to the point where 
he is having fun and actually living. And, you know, my therapist makes me take a selfie and I'm so tired of selfies that now I make faces at her when I take the selfie. Okay. But she does that because she's trying to improve my body image and everything. Okay. But don't leave because there's plenty of ways to do OA. It doesn't have to be, you know, what you've heard. There's plenty of ways to succeed. So I hope I said something that speaks to you. Um, I'll put my name in the name and number in the chat. Reach out to me. I love to talk to people. I do tons of outreach. Thank you very much.